Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, something different. We're going to put our position-by-position breakdown on hold just for one episode and look at the other three teams in the NFC West. The Cardinals haven't been the only club that's been busy here in the offseason. We'll talk with those who cover the team for the team. John Boyle to discuss the Seahawks, Stu Jackson with the Rams, and Keanu Martin out in San Francisco. The theme for all three, the quarterback position. It's Cardinals Cover 2, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, pop, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So we always keep our eye on what's going on inside the NFC West. And if you look back at last year, MJ, the Seahawks, they won the division, but it was the Rams who won that playoff matchup at Seattle. And the 49ers just decimated by injuries. The talk, though, for much of the offseason for all teams in the division, however, is centered around each of the team's quarterbacks. And when you look at the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers, I don't know. Maybe it's just me and maybe being too close to the situation, but I'd have to think the Cardinals have the most stable quarterback situation at the moment. I could see that. I mean, I think Russell Wilson's good for this year, but they don't have anybody behind them. And if they they were twelve and four last year, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, he'll be the starter going into the season, and we'll see how he performs. They have a really good team when they're healthy. And then you throw in the Rams, and you know you can make the case that they clearly upgrade the quarterback position. But the thing is, Kyler Murray is still on his rookie contract, so the Cardinals own his rights for the next two, three, four years. And so I, I could agree with that, but I also think that you know you got to face Stafford twice. Yep, you got to face Garoppolo, and when he's been healthy, he's been productive. This is the first offseason where he hasn't had to rehab, and he was getting a lot of reps with Trey Lance. And, and so for the most part, yeah, but you know, at some point in time, the Cardinals need to get through that door to win the NFC West. And let's be honest, if it's going to happen, it's going to be with Kyler Murray. It's been a little while, five years, since the Cardinals have been in the postseason, and two teams made it out of the division a year ago into the postseason. And you would think – just based off of what we know about the division, and I would say it is the toughest division, at least right now as we speak here in July, the toughest division in all of football, considering that the Seahawks, they just, they're always good. The Rams are expected to continue to be good. 49ers, I mean, if, if healthy, then they'll be up there once again. And wasn't that long ago they were in the Super Bowl, and here come the Cardinals, as you said, you know, scratching and clawing, trying to get into the picture and then knock on the door and, and walk through it. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Yet on paper, I think every team going into the season feels like they have upgraded at different positions and feel very confident about where they stand and can make a case that they are the best team on paper within the NFC West. And I sit, can sit here today, and I probably won't change my thought unless some team comes up with an injury, but I wouldn't be surprised if any of the four won the division. Now, last year the AFC North did put three teams in the postseason. Steelers got off to that great start. Cleveland obviously played well down the stretch, and then the Baltimore Ravens. So, And Cincinnati was kind of on the doormat when Burrow went down, but they did have three teams. But on paper, when you start looking at the skill position players, the pass rushers, the quarterbacks, you know, a little bit of the running backs, uh, I think that's where the division has become more difficult over the years. All right, let's not waste any time as we go around the NFC West, and we'll begin kind of how these teams finish. So we'll start with the Seahawks, then the Rams, then wrap up with the 49ers. But jumping into our NFC West preview, as we speak with the Seahawks, had a chance to catch up with John Boyle, Seahawks.com reporter, and we made it very simple. We talked about the quarterbacks and wondering – is the soap opera between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson over? I mean, it sure seems to be, at least, you know, externally, him and both Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have done a good job putting it to bed. Um, you know, it kind of lingered for a while, mostly because neither side came out and talked about it. It just sort of, there's all the reports early on, and then 
you know, the, the report from Schefter from uh, via his agent of the destinations, that kind of really got it stirred up again. But, yeah, once both Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson talked about it, it seems like they're really on the same page. And, I mean, yes, there were some frustrations, I think, largely stemming from an early playoff exit. You know, Russell Wilson brought this up, but he goes to the Super Bowl for man of the year, and he's kind of reminded of where he wasn't. So, yeah, he was frustrated, and maybe some things got out that neither side was hoping for, but it seems everyone's in a good place right now. The offensive line, I know, was part of that frustration. The addition of guard Gabe Jackson, what does that do to the offensive line in general, and is that enough to satisfy the face of the franchise? You know, it definitely helps. He's he's a really good player, and he steps right in. You know, the Seahawks one starter they didn't bring back is Mike Apati, who's retiring. Um, you know, I, I do think the offensive line was a little um, maybe underrated when healthy last year. That group was actually, if you look at some of the more advanced metrics, was pass blocking very well. I mean, Russell Wilson's always going to take more sacks than your typical quarterback in large part because of the same escapability that allows him to make some amazing plays that does also lead to more sacks. So that group was doing pretty well when fully healthy. They had injuries down the stretch where they were missing their, you know, at one point their top two right tackles and their starting right tackle for a good run. Um, they missed some of their interior guys. So, you know, if they can keep that unit relatively healthy, I do think, especially with the addition of Gabe Jackson, that'll be pretty good. And then I think the bigger issue with pass protection is what we might see what Shane Waldron's offense adds to it. I, I think we're going to see some elements of the Rams offense that involves getting the ball out quicker and some misdirection that will help the pass protection more than any single offensive lineman could. Speaking of Shane Waldron, just based on stuff that I've watched and some of the uh, videos you posted on Seahawks.com, looks like up-tempo. And what kind of offense are you expecting? Because you guys did retain Chris Carson, he's had injuries, but went healthy, very productive. He got the wide out. So what do you think this offense is going to look like? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of going to be the, the mystery that, you know, they're going to want to keep it a mystery all the way up until week one of the season that, you know, you've got a new offensive coordinator. You know, I think we're all probably assuming that there's going to be elements of the Rams offense because that's where Shane Waldron's coming from. Um, but, you know, he and everyone else has said, there, you know, he's going to have elements different from that. And, you know, you're you're talking about a – Hall of Fame caliber established quarterback. You're not going to totally change it on him if there's elements that he likes of the old offense. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a mix of what they've done in the past. Definitely some mix of what the Rams do. And you mentioned the word tempo. That's been a big talking point of players. You know, not necessarily a lot of no huddle, but just uh, more up tempo. You know, just everything about the offense moving a little quicker. You know, again, it's going to be a little bit of a mystery till we get to the regular season. But everybody seems excited right now with what Shane Waldron is bringing. You think we could see more three and four wide or more base defense? I know they utilize their tight ends at times, but do you, do you think they want to spread teams out based on the, uh, the the wide receivers, including DK Metcalf and Lockett? Yeah, you know, maybe to a degree that could depend on the development of Dwayne Eskridge, their second round pick, you know, the first pick they made because they, they didn't have the first rounder. If he's everything they hope he can be, you're going to want to get him on the field and you know, again, going back to the Rams, we know, you know, when they were at their best, they ran a ton of 11 personnel. So I think we would see a decent amount of three receiver sets. But, you know, I think we'll see them try to be pretty varied because they do like their tight ends a lot, especially adding Gerald Everett from the Rams to, you know, a healthy Will Disley, who, you know, he hasn't really been healthy in a long time because his first two seasons were ended by serious injuries. So this is the first healthy offseason he's had. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll get those tight ends on the field some. But, yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, they, they were – Decent amount of three receiver sets even last year under Schottenheimer. I think we'll see probably a little more of that. We talk about spreading it out, and it's all about the passing game, but I kind of went back at season's end and the I guess the start of the frustration, if you will, about how the season ended and Pete Carroll in that post-game press conference, or maybe it was the next day when the season ended in the playoffs, quote, we have to run the ball better, not even better, we have to run it more. Now, yeah. all of it now, I mean, that was, again, that's January. Here we are talking the offseason. Uh, is there going to be a shift, or was that just in the heat of the moment and Pete Carroll just, just talking immediately after the season ended? You know, I think a little bit of that quote might have been, he might have been overstating a little bit. Just he's, I wouldn't say he's backtracked from that, but he's, you know, he's also made comments like, look, we, we're not trying to run it 50 times a game. For him, it's always about balance, which doesn't necessarily mean a, a 50-50 split of this many runs, this many passes per game. It's it's more the idea that having a good run game available to you when you need it. And I think his point was, 
you know, somewhere in that same press conference he talked about, he, he, he doesn't want to see teams just playing too high against him all the time. So in that situation, to him, balance is, okay, we need to run it at teams if they're going to be playing two deep safeties, trying to take away the passing game all day. Now, if they run it well and teams respect that and you're seeing eight-man boxes, then maybe the balance is you throw more to get, you know, to take advantage of that. So, again, for Pete Carroll, balance is less about pure numbers of being like being we can do everything well when we need it. And I think in his mind they got away from that running game a little too much last year. Let's switch sides to the defense as we talk with John Boyle. Seahawks.com reporter here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You can follow John's work on Twitter, at John P. Boyle. A good follow for all Cardinal fans, especially within the NFC West. Defensively, the cornerback situation. Quentin Dunbar leaves, signs with the Lions. Shaquille Griffin leaves, signs with the Jaguars. How is the secondary look as far as going into this coming season defensively? You know, the the cornerback competition is going to be probably one of the most wide open and most interesting in training camp. Secondary as a whole, you know, they've got two Pro Bowl safeties, so we, we know what's going to happen there. You know, we're going to have Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams out there. It's What's going to be interesting is those cornerbacks, because as you mentioned, that the two week one starters last year are both gone in free agency. Now, DJ Reed took over that starting job, one of the outside cornerback spots, and played really well, and he, you know, he held on to that job even after guys got healthy. So I don't know if you can quite pencil him into a starting job yet, but he would certainly be considered a front runner. Um, I think Akella Witherspoon, who they signed from the 49ers, is another guy that has a pretty good shot to, to win a starting job, but he's going to have to compete for it too. And then they've just got a ton of guys behind them with some decent experience. You know, Trey Flowers was a two-year starter until last year, and then he lost the starting job, got it back, lost it again. So he's, he's a guy, they had a Pierre Desterre who's started a bunch of games in the past. Um, instantly, Demarius Randall, who's been playing safety for quite a while, is going back to corner, which is where he started his career as a first-round pick. So they've got options, but there's no – this is the first year, you know, without you – know, you had Richard Sherman in the past and Shaquille Griffin, where at, at least one spot you knew for sure who was going to be, and maybe there's competition in the other one. Right now it's, it's looking pretty open. What's the latest on Jamal Adams? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like anything is super close to done, but Pete Carroll, the way he's talking about it, he does not seem overly concerned, which makes me think that they're pretty confident something will get done, you know, if not at the start of camp, right after it starts. I, mean, I go back to Bobby Wagner's last contract. I think he, you know, showed up for camp but wasn't on the field maybe like one day of practice, and then they finished the deal and, and got it done. So I could definitely see a similar scenario point playing out where you don't, you know, right now neither sides are probably frantic about it just because there's not that deadline. You know, you've got these five, six weeks, whatever. But as camp gets close, I'm sure they're going to be talking. And, you know, I I think both sides really want to get this done. They're obviously going to have to figure out the numbers to make it work. But I just, I don't think you go out and trade two first-round picks for a guy without having a pretty good plan in place to make sure he's sticking around. Well said. All right, K.J. Wright is no longer there. Bobby Wagner, where do they get the pass rush from? Yeah, you know, they like that group of edge rushers. They they have both the guys they've added and the guys they brought back. Um, you know, they they added uh, Kerry Hyder from the 49ers who, because of injuries, took on a starting role last year and, and had the eight and a half sacks. They were able to get Carlos Dunlap back after cutting him. Uh, you know, Benson Mayoa, he's not, you know, a big splashy name, but he's a really solid rotational pass rush guy who, you know, has contributed for a lot of teams over the years. And, you know, you, you don't count on him to get your double-digit sacks, but he's a guy that contributes. And then the one that's kind of a wild card right now is, is Daryl Taylor. He was their second-round pick last year, and he is, you know, he missed the entire year with a leg injury. He's healthy now, and they're, they start talking him up pretty highly, um, not just as an edge rusher, but he could step into that strong side linebacker role. You mentioned KJ Wright, still unsigned. I think they like the idea of trying Taylor there as sort of a hybrid outside linebacker and edge rusher. That that They've done that in the past with a few guys, most notably Bruce Irvin was in that role for a long time. So, you know, I I think they like the, even though they maybe don't have the, you know, 15 sack all pro type guy, they really like the depth of that group. Last question from me, John, and we appreciate your time. There is always an expectation on the Seahawks. They always perform well. They get to the postseason, but the extended run in the playoffs, failing to advance beyond the divisional round since 2014, how much pressure going into 2021 is this team going to have on them? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's been, you know, when going back to the Russell Wilson conversation, I think that's been sort of the big talking point for a while now, and especially he did up last year after, you know, you win the division and you lose that first playoff game at home. That's that's a tough pill for anyone to swallow when you have those Super Bowl-type aspirations. I, you know, they go out and change offensive coordinators in large part because the offense didn't perform down the stretch, which most people think contributed to that playoff early exit. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's pressure. I don't think it's necessarily the kind of pressure of, you know, people getting fired or anything if you don't make a deep playoff run. But I think everyone knows that to, to kind of play up to this team's expectations to, you know, hopefully keep the quarterback happy and avoid any situations similar next offseason, that, yes, a, you know, a run to the championship game, if not the Super Bowl, would help alleviate a lot of issues, a lot of concerns, I should say. John, good stuff. Appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy what's left of the off season, and uh, best of luck outside of the two games against the Cardinals this coming season. Thank you very much. Same to you guys. Yeah, keeping Russell Wilson happy, MG, I think is going to be a major storyline all season long. Right now, yes, I think he is happy. But as you said earlier in the show, what about next year? But I think many people are just worried about this season with respects to Wilson and making sure that he is in a happy place. Well, they changed coordinators, and you know, I will say this: every time they signed a lineman or they made a trade for Gabe Jackson from the Raiders, he was on Twitter. And I think we're going to see more of an up-tempo offense. We know they can spread it out, um, but the really, it really all stems from him winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year award, sitting with Goodell, and then watching Tom Brady, where his first year there and all the weapons he has, and then he looks at Mahomes, and granted they couldn't protect him, he looks at all the weapons they had, and it really bothered him. And then, you know, he did the media tour. Uh, he was promoting maybe being on uh, some kind of magazine with his wife, Sierra. So. That really stuck in his crawl. Now, they have improved the roster. You know, their offensive line has never been great because he's Houdini at times. He covers those blemishes, but they don't have anybody behind him. But when you when you give the GM or the, uh, the ownership group like four teams you want to go to, there's got to be something there. But, again, if he wins a Super Bowl, I don't see how he won't be back next year or makes a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, the month of September with the Seahawks with respects to Russell Wilson was, uh, at least from afar, I'll say this, very entertaining. All right, let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams. And, again, we're talking about the quarterback. And this was this was really early in the offseason. This was in January when the first reports came down about as far as the trade. Jared Goff goes to Detroit, Matthew Stafford to Los Angeles, and then then we kind of had to wait until it was official. But that was, we forget, that was this past offseason. It feels like a long, long time ago, MJ, but that did happen very early at the end of the regular season. And you can you can see the uh, you can, you want to read the tea leaves so to speak because you know late in the year, you know Jarek Goff's been hot and cold and Sean McVay you know decided maybe we're just go with John Wolford and and then he got hurt, uh, but clearly they were not going to bring back Jarek Goff and and listen he he brought him to a Super Bowl and they only scored three points in that game he probably got a card at Belichick and and the defense that he uh, came up with to stop Sean McVay in that offense but. Matthew Stafford, Cardinal fans are aware of him. It seems like we play him every, or they play him every single year. So it's an upgrade. And, you know, defensively, um, you know, they lose their coordinator, but they still got a lot of good players that get to the quarterback. So I, I think the Rams are like a steady team. I, I don't see them, unless injuries occur across the board, taking a step back. A reminder, Stafford was acquired for Goff, a 2021 third-round pick and first-round picks in 2022 and 2023, so a steep price to acquire Matthew Stafford. Yet at the same time, many people believe that is going to make this Rams team much better, especially on the offensive end. And that's where we got into our discussion with Stu Jackson, staff writer for the Rams.com, how he thought Stafford specifically, what Stafford brings that makes Sean McVay a little bit more comfortable as far as what McVay wants to do offensively. I think the biggest thing is just creating explosive plays. That's something that McVeigh, even going back to as as early as you know January, the, the beginning of the off season or the end of the season, when he talked about how he wanted to improve the offense, he, he mentioned he felt like they needed to create more explosive plays 
when you get a quarterback like Matthew Stafford and the arm strength that he has and just the arm talent in general, that's certainly one way to do it. I think if, if you've seen any of his highlights during his time with the Lions, that's something that, uh, especially deep passes, he's very adept at. So uh, to that end, he, he can also attack every level of the field in terms of short, intermediate, and deep throws really well. He can fit passes into tight windows. So when you combine all of that, I think it allows McVay to maybe unlock more of the offense and, and just, like I said, kind of create those explosive plays that maybe he thought they weren't able to create for whatever reason last season. I don't know how much you were able to watch Stafford in the offense during OTAs and minicamp, but I found it interesting what McVay told SI.com, quote, Stafford's even better than advertised. What did you see out there, and uh, or what, maybe even also what did you hear from some of Stafford's new teammates about how the new quarterback is fitting in? Yeah, I, I think for you know McVay making that comment, it was probably just a reflection of, you know, you've, you've seen, like I mentioned, you've seen the highlights and you've seen the tape so many times. Now when you get to experience those uh, intangibles and attributes in person for the first time, it's, you know, like, wow, this is, you know, even even better than I expected. So uh, to that end, you know, his his new Rams teammates have also been, uh, you know, really receptive and, and uh, welcoming to him and, and have really liked his approach. I know Robert Woods mentioned that, you know, as, as they've been collaborating and trying to get on the same page, they'll, you know, sometimes, you know, pass notes, so to speak, to each other in film sessions and, and point out like, hey, if, if the timing on the route needs to be this, just let me know and I can get back in time and turn my head around in time to make sure that I'm, I'm there when you make that throw. Um, and, of course, you know, with communication with Cooper Cup, too, as well, um, that's, that's something that uh, both he and Stafford have uh, – have, have praised and been on the same page with. So uh, they just like how, how he's, you know, he's got a good humility about himself, but he's also confident in that, you know, his teammates appreciate that if, if he wants something done differently or if, or if, you know, a route needs to be run a certain way, timing, whatever, he's not afraid to speak up and say in a way that's, again, confident but not uh, demeaning or anything like that. So uh, collectively, you know, between McVeigh and also just the way he's kind of, uh, embedded himself within the team and then kind of gotten acclimated and connected with his new teammates there's been um, a lot of a lot of positive things to report all around you take a look at the offense we know you got weapons on the outside we know McVay's an aggressive play caller one of the best in the league right now let's talk about the offensive line because you know Cam Akers came on last year and looks like he can be a featured back what do you think of the offensive line going into training camp yeah, that's going to be one of the, the biggest storylines because Austin Blythe, the starting center last season, moved on in free agency and signed with the Chiefs. So uh, that's a position that's going to need to get settled. And uh, it, it looks like it could be uh, Austin Corbett handling that. Um, McVay mentioned that he was really pleased with the rapport, or the connection that both uh, Corbett and Stafford were developing during the uh, offseason program. And so... Uh, there's a chance that uh, he ends up re- replacing Blythe, but uh, Brian Allen and Coleman Shelton, who have been on the roster for a while now, are a couple other guys who uh, McVeigh had mentioned as, as internal candidates. Of course, with Corbett playing uh, right guard last season and potentially uh, moving over to center, then you've you've got to uh, figure out what you're going to do at, at right guard. Uh, and in that vein, McVeigh seemed pleased with uh, what Bobby Evans has shown. Uh, he he was an offensive tackle out of Oklahoma who uh, was primarily a you know a swing tackle, uh, somebody who had the versatility to play left or right tackle. But uh, they they like his, uh, his his versatility and they like what he's what he's shown at that spot. So uh, it'll look a little bit different in that in that sense, but um, it, it it'll still be mostly the same offensive line that. Every, I think everybody, at least Cardinals fans in the two games last year, saw where, you know, you probably Andrew Whitworth, obviously, at left tackle. Uh, you know, probably David Edwards at left guard. Rob Havenstein holding down right tackle. Stu, let's talk about, you know, when teams win, all of a sudden you lose coaches. Talk about this, uh, the coaching changes on the staff. Yeah, I think if you look at the, the coaching staff, the biggest one is going to be defensive coordinator. At least that's the one that probably – most people have had their eye on or paid attention to. 
uh, Brandon Staley being hired as head coach of the Chargers. The Rams then turn to uh, Raheem Morris, uh, former interim head coach and defensive coordinator for the Falcons. And uh, so far, Morris has done a great job of, of connecting and, and relating to players. Uh, he's had a lot of a lot of positive returns early on, and so that side of the ball is, is going to look uh, a little bit different. Uh, you keep hearing that you know philosophically, as far as the scheme, it's going to be fairly similar, uh, but maybe with you know some of, of Morris wrinkles added to it. Uh, but just as far as like kind of the structure that they implemented under under Staley last season, so. Uh, that that one's the biggest one. There there are a handful of of uh, promotions and title additions and changes and things like that. But uh, ultimately, that that's the the biggest one that uh, is on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, I think I counted what seven assistant coaches, two front office members have all left since the season ended. But uh, as long as you have Sean McVay, I think the Rams are in good position. As we talk with Stu Jackson here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, staff writer for therams.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stu J. Rams. That defense, let's keep talking about that. Always very good when you have an Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but no longer safety John Johnson. He is no longer on the team, signed with the Browns this offseason. How big of a loss, or is it a loss, on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think as much as you have depth to step up and, and find someone to to replace Johnson, that that doesn't make it any more difficult of, of a of a loss as far as his departure in free agency. And uh, he was someone who was the on-field defensive single caller or wore the green dot, if you will, for the Rams defense last season. Had great range, was a, an incredibly valuable piece to that defense. Great tackler as well. So. Uh, in that sense, it, it's going to be tough to replace him. You, like I said, even with the depth that the Rams have at the position. Uh, that, that being said, and with the way that Jordan Fuller played as a rookie last year, earning a starting job right away, uh, I think they feel very comfortable about uh, him going into his second year and, and you know kind of the role that he can potentially play. Of course, if you have a healthy Taylor Rapp in the in the mix too. Uh, that should also help as well. Nick Scott, who's primarily been a, a special teams ace, but somebody who has been able to uh, fill in in a pinch on, on defense, too, in one of those safety spots. So, And, of course, they'll also be getting back uh, Terrell Burgess, who uh, you know played a bunch of different positions at Utah, in Utah's secondary uh, and got hurt against the Bears last year. But uh, with him healthy and, and with those four guys, um, you figure one of them, uh, we'll we'll be able to to step up and fill that role, but again, that uh, still that that skill set that Johnson had, it, it's tough to replace, and uh, it'll it'll probably be a collective effort in that regard. How important was it to retain Leonard Floyd? It was huge. I, the thing that surprised me when I asked Les Snead about what set Floyd apart from other edge rushers that they had brought in, because effectively it had been what looked like an approach where. You know, you were bringing these veterans or or cap casualties, if you will, from other teams in on uh, you know short-term, i.e., one-year deals. And Floyd was kind of a departure from that strategy, where you know they brought him in and and they really liked his length. And basically, Snead said that they view him as more than just an edge rusher because his length that's helpful for defending quarterbacks like Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, for example, Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. These guys who can use their mobility to make off-schedule plays and make life difficult for opposing defenses. If you have a, if you have someone like Floyd, that that helps limit them to the extent that you can possibly limit them, or at least do the best you can. So uh, he he's not someone who's just a pass rusher in that regard. And and what based on what he showed them last year, they felt like he was worth. Uh, investing what they did in him and bringing him back on a four-year deal. Leave us with this, Stu. How much time did you spend in the beach house during the draft <laughs> that certainly caught everyone's attention? Well, I actually I actually didn't spend too much time <laughs> there during the draft. I, I was there for a, um, an event open to the media uh, and then just a couple of other um, non-draft-related events uh, after after the draft took place. But uh, yeah, that that was certainly a, a fun time and uh, something different. I know that uh, that that caught uh, Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury's attention, or he was at least asked about it. So, um, 
whether whether that was inspired by uh, you know Cliff's setup last year, who knows? But uh, just a chance to do something different, and uh, who knows? Maybe it'll in, in inspire other teams to do something similar for the uh, 2022 draft. We'll see. Yeah, I like the back and forth between the uh, two head coaches. Very good friends, Cliff Kingsbury and Sean McVay. Speaking of the draft, I just uh, one last thing. I, I, I lied earlier. I got one more. Um, the Cardinals took a wide receiver in the second round, speed wide receiver Rondell Moore. Rams did the same thing. What have you seen out of Tutu Atwell? Yeah, I think it's just the the speed being as advertised. Uh, that that was one of the things that uh, wide receivers coach Eric Yarber told me he he liked about Atwell. It's just not only does he have uh, the speed or quickness uh, as far as like a quick quick release at the line of scrimmage, but uh, he also tracks the ball really well. And while we didn't see a ton of of, uh, of deep passes thrown his way uh, from Stafford during the uh, handful of open sessions the handful of uh, OTA sessions that were open to the media uh, there were there were some of those short intermediate routes routes where you're like you know yeah this uh, you can see it and you can see why why they liked him so uh, haven't haven't seen too much in that regard again because there are only a handful of those sessions have been have been open to the media but I would say the the speed and the quickness and everything that you read about him leading into the draft and, and maybe to an extent after the draft is is as advertised good stuff Stu. always appreciate the time uh, enjoy this time off as far as the rest of the off season is concerned because uh, things will definitely be picking up really quick with training camp right around the corner again Stu jackson staff writer for the rams.com appreciate your time here Stu. absolutely thank you so much for having me craig appreciate it you hear that mj Stu? thank me i i, I didn't hear your name at all yeah, that's true. Now, you know, over the last couple of years, uh, the participants we had on Cards Cover 2 today, we've done a roundtable, so maybe he didn't think he needed to say bye to me. And so he's, he's kind of, you know, getting a chance to meet you and hear your voice and everything else, but I'll let it go for now. All right. Okay. F- fair fair enough. The uh, Rams, by the way, <laughs> at least nine wins in all four of Sean McVay's seasons, and we know the Cardinals uh, have certainly contributed to that uh, more than they would like to admit and we know the records no need to go into great detail of course we continue here on cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals by the way each of the three division rivals in the division are featured in the protect the nest ticket plans four games including prominent primetime matchups at state farm stadium once again the red plan features the 49ers packers panthers and colts the white plan Vikings, Texans, Rams, and Seahawks. You can go to azcardinals.com slash tickets or call the Cardinals ticket sales office at 602-379-0102. So the Seahawks 12-4, and Rams 10-6, and and bringing up the rear, the 49ers 6-10, and although that's a little misleading, MJ, I think just because on how much – they did not have their team outside of week one. And even in week one, it was, what, the second quarter in which George Kittle got hurt on a tackle, a legal tackle, a good tackle by Buda Baker, and they just were never the same after that first week. And uh, a lot of ups and downs, but uh, you know they hope that this is more, this 2021 is more like 2019. When Garoppolo's healthy ever since he's been in San Francisco, 22-8, and eight. Um, they played three different quarterbacks. We've been down that road. You, you just you're just looking for a spark, and you know obviously they got a spark out of C.J. Beathard in, in week uh, 16 against the Cardinals, and you know that's one of the games where we started to see this team uh, take a tailspin, and it happened in week 17 against the Rams. So yeah, on paper they are a very talented team. They didn't make the Super Bowl a couple years ago because. Um, they didn't have the talent. It was because last year they had the injuries. But uh, if they could stay healthy, I, I think they're going to be a team that we'll, all three of the teams will be chasing in the NFC West. Now, like the Rams, the 49ers did orchestrate a trade in the offseason with a quarterback in mind. They acquired the third overall pick in a deal with the Miami Dolphins, and that certainly opened up a lot of eyebrows. You got Jimmy Garoppolo under contract, yet what are the 49ers doing to move up in the draft? And obviously we know what happened. They selected Trey Lance, and this is now going to be a talking point. It's going to be a storyline, and when we spoke with Keanu 
Carolina Martin, senior team reporter for the 49ers. We didn't waste any time. We wanted to know who's the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers in week one. I'm going to go with exactly what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been saying literally from day one. I'm talking about once they made that jump uh, to that number three overall pick, they stood behind what they said, and they said that they still see Jimmy Garoppolo a part of their plans in 2021. And that's who I believe will be the 49ers starter. You know, you look at his numbers, and I always wish I had him in front of me, but I think I can remember him a little bit. You think about the team's win percentage and when he's on the field and how they perform. I believe the team is 24-9 when he is healthy and on the field, and that includes the postseason. However, when he's not on the field, that number's drastically changed. So I know it's so cliche to say, but, you know, availability is your best ability, and that's the deal with Jimmy Garoppolo. When he's healthy, this team sees a lot of success. But that's the thing. If he can stay healthy in 2021, the 49ers are going to have a tricky decision to make, let's say, at the end of the year, but it's probably a good problem for this team to have two capable quarterbacks uh, coming into this year. How do you think that dynamic is going to work? Garoppolo and Trey Lance together. I know some of our access has been limited, but as far as the working relationship and Garoppolo looking over his shoulder, I mean, how how do you believe that this will materialize? Because from the outside looking in, a lot of it is, oh, this is just not going to work. Right, absolutely. And I think one of my favorite things that we heard from this offseason, again, you said there was limited access, but from what we did see and what we did hear from head coach Kyle Shanahan saying that he believes that Jimmy has had the best spring ball, the best offseason that he has had since joining the 49ers back in 2017. I believe a lot has to do with when you have somebody that literally you just said looking over your shoulder, you know you have that pressure on you. So you're going to perform. You're going to see that uptick in in performance and, and what you're displaying on the field, well, at least on the practice field. And uh, Joe Staley recently retired. He even spoke about it recently. And he said that, you know, he felt like he was always the, just the mainstay at that that left tackle spot. But even when rookies would come in and maybe try to buy for his job, he said he personally felt like he kind of kicked things into overdrive. So I feel like that same thing is going to happen for Jimmy this year, uh, knowing you have a young guy that at any point is willing and ready uh, to step up and take your place, so to speak. So I feel like this is good for Jimmy, giving him that extra push. But also it's good because we know that Kyle Shanahan, he's known to have one of the most complex offenses in the NFL. So to give Trey Lance a little bit of time to learn behind Jimmy and really grasp this offense, I feel like it's sort of a win-win, at least for the front office. Kiana, you know, when Kyler Murray was drafted in that first rookie minicamp, you you could just see the arm strength and, and, and yeah. the, being able to make all the throws. What was it like the first time you got a chance to see him on the field? I think one of the things that stands out, just watching him his very first uh, minicamp and watching during OTAs is just his size. Um, he he's a, He's built – He's pretty stocky, and you, it, it, I think you, it's one of those things when you see it in person, you're like, oh, wow. Like he, He's not one of these really small-framed guys, um, and I think that's one of the main things that stand out. But also what comes to mind is, is what Kyle said about him being able to grasp what has been thrown at him. It's been a lot these last couple of weeks, but being able to pick up on that, and, and he's known for his arm strength. He's known for his physical ability, especially – with his legs, you know, we're limited in what we can see, um, especially during that window. But I think that's what we're excited to see more of. What can Kyle Shanahan do having a guy like him who can utilize his legs, who has that, that arm strength that can connect on those deep bombs downfield. So I'm excited to see more of that. And I'm sure we're going to see more in training camp and everybody will see more of, uh, you know, these incoming rookies. But those are the, the main things that we were able to kind of pick up on quite early uh, during the offseason program. Yeah, I also noticed they were rolling him out to the left, which is, you know, awkward for a right-handed quarterback to make yeah. that throw. But well, I got to think he's going to be the backup quarterback. So do you think they'll have some place for him? Or are they tipping their hand when he comes <laughs> on the field? You know what? I, I, that's the question. That's the question. You have two guys that are very capable. And, um, I mean, you one of the – 
idea that comes straight to my mind is you think about, you know, Drew Brees and Taysom Hill and, you know, how he was able to come in for some plays. And we don't know. Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys that keeps his cards very close to the vest. I would love to see that, but I, I, we just don't know. I think that's one of those things we're just going to have to keep our eye out for in 2021. Kiana, regardless of who the quarterback is, getting Trent Williams re-signed, adding Alex Mack, how much is that going to maybe take a little bit of the pressure off of Garoppolo or Trey Lance? I think that is huge. It's, it's huge for this team, one, because now – you have security at a lot of positions. Um, the 49ers, it was kind of like a carousel of guys on that O-line last year due to injury, and Weston Richburg being namely one of the main ones, uh, the center who just recently retired, uh, missing the entire 2020 campaign and por- portion, a portion of the 2019 as well. But now having these guys, and you bring up Alex Mackow, I believe a six-time pro bowler and you know, he might not be at that level he was, let's say, 2016, but definitely still capable. Um, and then Trent Williams, and he adds, you know, Mike McGlinchey you have on the line and a lot of the young guys that you brought in, Aaron Banks, who will be uh, competing for that right guard spot. Um, and then you have Lakin Tomlinson, who hasn't missed a game since joining the 49ers back in 2017. So just having these mainstays, I feel like, will be so beneficial, not only to protecting the quarterback, because we know that's, essentially how the 49ers kind of got into the situation they were in last year, these injuries and, and, you know, guys getting to the quarterback, but not just protecting whether it's Garoppolo or Trey Lance, but also, you know, how Kyle Shanahan feels about his run game. These guys are, you look at what they did back in 2019. I know um, uh, Trent Williams wasn't there, but I believe sat number two or number three in the league with their run game, but looking to get back to that level and having these guys, these, this, these Pro Bowl caliber players uh, on that O-line certainly be beneficial in both aspects of the game. All right, let's look at the skill position players. Clearly, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel need to stay healthy. Went out and got Mohamed Sanu, Richie James, Trent Sherfield, who I thought he was a good receiver here, more of a special teams guy. And then we all, we always got to talk about the fullback and the tight end and Juszczyk and, and Kittle. Talk about those skill position players where they can stretch the field. Yeah, I think that was that was one of the biggest shocks coming out of the draft. This was the first draft in I believe eighteen years that the 49ers did not select a wide receiver. And a lot of a lot of the questions were, well, why? Why why there was a lot of talent out there. Why did you opt to go other positions? But you named them right there. Kyle Shanahan feels so confident in what Debo Samuel can do as long as he can stay healthy. Same with Brandon Ayuk now uh going into now his third year second third year I'm, I'm, I don't even know what year it is but I believe the second year now in the NFL and, and having another year under Kyle Shanahan and his system and then George Kittle I mean that he speaks for himself what he is able to do how dynamic he is um, and then also some of those running backs Kyle Shanahan likes those dual threat running backs that not only can you know carry the rock but also catch passes out of the backfield so the 49ers feel confident in the group of guys that they currently have. And then you add in some of those veterans bringing in Muhammad Sanu and you have Travis Benjamin, you have uh, Trent Sherfield bringing in those guys. So it's certainly going to make for an interesting training camp. But one thing that stands out is uh, new offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel saying that it's going to be really hard for somebody to try to beat out a guy like Muhammad Sanu for a spot on this roster. And, you know, the 49ers are now without Kendrick Bourne, who was – you know, Kyle once said he was one of the surest hands on the 49ers roster. So how those guys can kind of pick up that slack and keep things going uh, without some of those players, it's going to be really interesting to watch. But again, he's very confident in the guys that he has. It's just about staying healthy and staying on the field. Let's give some love to the defense as we speak here with Kiana Martin, senior team reporter for the 49ers. You can follow her work on social media at Kiana Martin TV as we continue to kind of look at what is going on around the NFC West here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A new defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, no longer there. He's the head coach of the Jets. But you promote from within. Linebackers coach Demeco Ryans is now the new DC. Does anything change? Or are you expecting any change as far as what the 49ers like to do defensively? I feel like you're going to see a pretty similar defense to what you saw in years prior. But talking to D'Amico this offseason, one of the things he said was, you know, I'm not 
Robert Sala. I'm Danico Ryan, and that's where he got his start. He got his start in coaching in 2017, quickly climbed up those ranks under uh, Robert Sala. So he will be taking some of those pieces from his defense along with him, but I wouldn't be surprised to see D'Amico kind of sprinkle in his own flavor, so to speak, with this defense. Um, you still have 49ers uh, defensive line coach Chris Kacarek, so I don't see much change going on there. And we know what Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and what they're capable of, but I can see this defense being fairly similar to what we've seen in years past, but just just a little bit of D'Amico Ryan's flavor in 2021. All right, Cynthia Freud, uh from the NFL Network said on paper the Niners probably would give the biggest challenges to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know injuries decimated, so it's hard to, to evaluate last year, but we're talking about a team that was close to win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So what are the expectations going into the season? We actually just uh, closed out our State of the Franchise event where um, we had, you know, overarching organizational updates and then also updates from Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and some of the players of what their expectations are for 2021. And one of the biggest things that this team was talking about is like, hey, you know what? 2020, we dealt with injuries. We had to overcome so much. But this team still has so many of those pieces from that 2019 Super Bowl team that they believe that why can't they make it back to that level and surpass that level that they were. And also when you say that, you think about some of those names that are coming back, one of the main ones being Nick Bosa, getting a guy like him back, 49ers still waiting to see what's the update on getting a guy like D Ford back. We talked about some of those receivers. George Kittle said he feels 100%. Jimmy Garoppolo says that his ankle is a thing of the past. So you're bringing back a number of those same pieces that this team had in 2019 uh, and then adding a lot of young talent that we've also been talking about. So this team feels confident. Uh, that they do have that ability to make it back to that level. But I feel like we keep talking about it because we have to. But it's just, can these guys stay on the field? That is the biggest question mark. And if they can do that, they feel that this team is more than equipped to make a run at it again. Yeah, health is always in question when we're talking about these teams, uh, regardless of division. And uh, certainly the 49ers hit hard by the injury bug last season. Kiana, appreciate the time here. Best of luck again uh, outside of two weeks when the uh, Cardinals are the (laughs) opponent, but uh, good information and uh, look forward to talking to you during the season. Likewise. We'll see you guys in a few weeks. Can't wait for it. Really, MJ, you can make a case for health being the number one storyline for every team in the National Football League, but specifically when we talked with Kiana just because of the number of injuries they suffered during the season and hopefully getting back, I think the biggest being Nick Bosa on the defensive side, and that is where the expectation for the 49ers is that, you know, don't expect another sub-500 team. Everyone's coming back. They're getting healthier. They've improved at certain positions to where now – Again, I think we're looking at a four-team race, a legit four-team race in the NFC West. When I look at it, it's a situation where you know they've checked that box for the future, um, but they got to stay healthy. But normally, when the teams are you know jockeying for position, you know maybe the top four seeds in each conference, they're likely the healthiest. I mean, you can afford some injuries at certain positions, but the key injuries. And last year, you know. Brandon Ayuk couldn't stay healthy. Debo Samuel couldn't stay healthy. And, but I'm curious to see Trey Lance. I, I watched some of their off-season workouts, and you know, I one of the reporters said he's never seen a rookie look that good. Now they're not rushing. They're not you know not in pads. It's just thrown against air, but it, be, it beats the alternative. But I just wonder if they'll put a package in there for him, and he he can run and throw. It's not similar to Kyler Murray, you know, you're not taking him off the field or you're tipping your hand. But if Garoppolo's rolling, I think you got to make sure. Because like any player, and she pointed out when Joe Staley was there, basically he was looking over his shoulder regardless of where the player was drafted. Now, we didn't get into it with Kiana, but it should be mentioned as far as the injuries are concerned. Running back Jeff Wilson will miss the start of the season. He suffered a knee injury in the offseason. In the car, excuse me, the 49ers lost two players to season-ending injuries during the offseason. So you know, maybe their hope is that, hey, let's get this out of the way now so we're not dealing this during the season and losing guys during the week and all of a sudden not available on Sundays. 
Yeah, Wilson, I want to say he was getting off his chair and he, he blew his knee out, right? Okay. I believe so. And the other guys were two out of three uh, snaps just taking a step. That's when they got hurt, and that's the reason why Kyle Shanahan shut it down. Yeah, it's just uh, unfortunate. You'd never want that to happen to any team, let alone uh, a team that you match up with twice in the regular season. Bird Gang, a reminder, Cardinals Flight Plan Episode 3 winning recipe has now been available, or it's been uploaded, I should say, on youtube.com slash azcardinals. You'll get more of what the Cardinals have done here in the offseason and specifically some details on Dennis Gardak's rehab and some fun stuff with the offensive line. Again, it's Episode 3 winning recipe. You can watch all the Cardinals Flight Plan episodes on the Cardinals official YouTube channel, YouTube youtube.com slash az cardinals want to thank again everyone joining us here on this nfc west roundtable if you will john boyle covers the seahawks Stu jackson with the rams and kiana martin with the 49ers this is the first time we've kind of done this mj here on cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals a lot of fun because yes we always are focused in on the cardinals but there is that eye towards again the entire league but Certainly a little bit more focus on what's happening within the division because the easiest way to get into the postseason is to win your division. And also, you know, Kingsbury is still the the younger guy when it comes to uh, being in the division. I still think Sean McVay is the youngest coach in football, but Pete Carroll's been there forever, very successful. Kyle Shanahan has had, had his moments, and then Sean McVay clearly has done a really good job uh, with the Rams, and now it's time for Cliff to kind of – you know, getting that conversation. But again, you, you got to get in the postseason. And every team's ultimate goal when they get the training camp is win the division. And that means you get to host a home game. And if you're a one seed, not to get ahead of ourselves, but it can go a long way by just hosting and then getting a chance to get in the postseason. But it's time for the Cardinals to get in that same conversation considering the coaches they're going against. By the way, I said the NFC West, arguably, maybe not even arguably, the best division in football, yet record-wise at the end of the season, maybe it won't be, but just because you've got four teams that are beating each other up and where a 3-3 three and three record within the division might might just be great and it's something that you celebrate because now all of a sudden you split and that would be the that would be the goal to split which each of your division rivals. Yeah, and the Cardinals got off to a two and zero start last year now, but Seattle going twelve and four. They're going to play a first place schedule with the Cardinals finishing where they did in third. They've drew the assignment against the Lions and the Panthers, and you know Lions obviously have a new coach. Uh, they're familiar with Jared Goff. I think that's where you're going to have to be your hard hat based on the head coach, and then. You know, maybe a little revenge. The Cardinals didn't play very well against Carolina last year. So a third-place schedule, they all play the same 14 teams, and they play each other six times, but that could be the difference of winning 9, 10, or 11 games. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and we can't wait again. The regular season not too far away. All right, the next... Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals we'll get back into our position by position analysis we are nearing the end and then of course that means training camp is right around the corner that's going to put a lid on this edition of Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals special thanks as always to our executive producer Jim Omohundro for Mike Jarecki I'm Craig Riolu we'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals cover two